Naomi, my wife Gina is here with our two kids. Uh, they're, they're out there because sometimes my kids are kind of wild, uh, like kids are, right? And sometimes Gina teaches me things. Oftentimes she does. And one thing she taught me early on when uh, we were raising children, started raising children, was this weird phenomenon about when kids get upset. You know, you would think that, like, if somebody got upset and they start crying, you know, just let them go cry it out. You know, they'll figure it out. At least that's what we do as adults. We just say, oh, just let them breathe a little bit. Let them get some space. But it's amazing to see that when our oldest daughter would get upset, she'd go and sit at the top of the stairs in a parsonage, a church home, and she'd just sit there and cry and cry and cry, so upset, just in a terrible place. And you would think eventually she would just get over it, and Gina taught me, no, she won't, actually, that kids aren't able to self-regulate their emotions. They can't just kind of snap out of it. You know, you might tell them that. Snap out of it. Quit being a baby, right? <laughs> I don't say that to them, by the way. <laughs> but that's what you think. Like, why can't they just get over it? Well, kids literally can't. They're captive in that place, in this emotional distress of either shame, of like, there's something wrong with me, or guilt, like I've done something wrong, therefore I feel like something's wrong with me, or fear, or maybe anger, or jealousy. They are quite literally captive. And they can do nothing to free themselves from that place. Have you ever felt captive? Have you ever felt stuck? Maybe. I don't know. What about in the last year or so, or year and a half, or two years? Well, we didn't need a pandemic to make us feel stuck or to make us feel like we were in darkness because we all go through that. That is the human experience, starting from when we're about a year and a half of age, when we start to get some idea of when things are going well and when they're not going well. And when they're not going well, all of us get into this place of feeling stuck or captive or in darkness. And when we're in darkness, I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm in darkness, it does not feel like it's going to be light tomorrow. (laughs) It just feels dark. That's what the Bible says, is that the sorrow may last for the night, but the joy comes in the morning. Well, when we're in a time of sorrow or darkness or sadness, it does not feel like that one bit whatsoever. But see, as we get older, we learn little tricks. We learn ways to get ourselves out of that, that feeling of captivity, but we're still actually captive. We're not able to free ourselves. So we might do things like self-medicate or vie for control of our lives or just find these uh, different ways that we can feel like we're in charge. Uh, We can't do anything to get out of it. What we're talking about really is this feeling of shame. There's something wrong with me and we're not able to set ourselves free from it. We're stuck and even though like we might think that we're different from kids, uh, we can't actually get ourselves out of it. We might numb or fall into escapism. And when we try to get ourselves out, we actually create more problems. We become less vulnerable. We go into isolation We bury that feeling, which comes back even stronger later in our life. That, friends, is not freedom. That's not not getting out of captivity. That's not freeing ourselves or being tougher or stronger or not being a baby or whatever it is you want to say about getting ourselves out of that negative place of becoming free from our shame and our negative feelings about ourselves. That is not freedom. And in fact, I would say the harder we try to bury those emotions the harder that we try to escape on our own power by ourselves, the worse and worse it gets. How isolated do you feel? 
during the last year and a half or two years. Maybe it started a lot earlier than that for you. But the more we try and gain control of our lives and say, we are free, the less free we actually are. You don't need me to tell you that. You can feel that in your bones, can you not? Okay, have you ever felt that way in the darkness? In hard times in your life? We may think that we're different from children, but actually we still struggle to be free. And if we're going to experience the freedom that God created us for, we need someone to come and find us. Someone to make it known to us that we are loved, that we're not forgotten, that we're not rejected, that we are in fact free. See, that's the unique claim of Christianity. I just took a world religions course in my seminary studies. and It's amazing that this is the unique claim of Christianity, that a holy and powerful God, a mighty King, lives and dwells with humanity, dwells with us. And at Christmas, we celebrate this reality that despite the darkness that sin has caused, starting in Genesis 2, when Adam and Eve sin in the Garden of Eden and they become ashamed. Despite that darkness that's been running rampant in the world, Jesus comes to find us. The Luke text that we read uh, and that was talked about in this song tells of this narrative of Jesus coming to us. In the Isaiah text, the, the second one, is one that prophesies, that proclaims that God would come as a mighty and faithful, but gentle and peace-filled King. And all the Bible texts account for this truth, that God, the God of the Bible, comes to set the captives free, to seek out the lost sheep, to gather us to Himself, offering fullness of life, freedom on God's power and on God's terms. Jesus comes to find us, to live as a captive in the ways that we are captive. And then to break the chains that bind us. To tell us that we're loved, so that we could feel this love. Jesus proclaims these truths himself, and it's funny to me to hear that language in the Isaiah text of the rod of the oppressor and the burden. And then hear, the, hear this text from Matthew 11 when Jesus says, Come to me, all of you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me, Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden, inescapable burden of life, is light. We have to ask ourselves, well, where is Jesus then? I hear all these uh, texts proclaimed in the church and I hear all the time that Jesus loves me and Jesus is with me, but where is He then? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) I ask myself that question sometimes when I'm struggling and say, why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? And I know that one thing is true, and this is a complicated uh, question to, to answer, but one thing is true that we can measure the ways that we've experienced God's love in our life. And we can also measure, in the same way, the times when we've turned our back to God or when we say, no thanks, God. I don't need you today. I'll do it on my own. I'll set myself free. We can measure that. It's, called, uh, it's an ancient discipline in the church. It's called the prayer of examine. Examine, however you want to say it. 
And you ask yourself these two questions. You say, either today or say even in the last year, where did you show me love today, God? Where did you show me love? Did you show me love through a gentle smile from a friend? Or from a worship service with a community of believers? Did you show me love from a compliment that my boss gave me? Did you show me love from a hug from my children? And then you can also ask yourself this question. Where did I refuse or deny your love and grace to others? Where did I, when did I refuse it for myself? Or when did I deny it to others? And if we track in our lives these two questions, we start to see that, well, God actually was there in this way, and maybe just a small way. Maybe the rest of the day was felt like crap. But it actually was some uh, real bright spots where God was shining uh, His light into the darkness of our lives. Jesus tells us, He says in Revelation chapter 3, Verses, verse 20, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking, and if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will, come in to, I will come to you and eat with you and you with me. Jesus desires that we experience freedom through following him, through letting him into our life and letting our life be built off, built off of what he says about us, who he says we are. What he says are our burdens and what we should be afraid of and what we should be concerned with and building our life from that place. Jesus comes to find us in every moment of every day and the question is, will we let him in? Will we open the door? Will we make ourselves available? This is called prevenient grace in the, in the Wesleyan tradition that God's grace is going before us and drawing us into himself. Anytime you read your Bible, anytime you pray, anytime you worship, anytime you practice generosity for the right reasons, anytime you fast, anytime you take communion, you are receiving the grace, the love of God. God is literally coming to find you. We can ask ourselves those questions and say, are we secure in this? Do we believe that Jesus is with us and he's coming to find us? And if we are, then we should ask ourselves the question, if we're so confident, if we're so secure that God is continually coming to find us in this life, then who are we offering that same grace to? Because the Apostle Paul says he commands us, the church, to bear one another's burdens. So if you feel like you are just so set in God's love that you don't even need to hear this message He's just rambling on again about the same old thing, about God's love, blah, blah, blah. Then I, my question to you would be, who are, who, who are you intentionally offering that grace to? Whose burden are you bearing? Who are you setting free? And it's not your power to do what you think is right in their life, but it is your responsibility, our responsibility as the church, to allow God's grace to flow through us from God out to others. I've talked uh, openly about my struggles in life, and so maybe this is new for some of you, but I had a very different life before I met Jesus. Uh, totally different life. Failed out of school twice, and even though I, I graduated from the U of M Crookston, I went on to become an assistant golf course superintendent. I still have 
a lot of burdens in my life. Still very captive to, the, to all these different things. Shame being one of them. I'm saying, I've just screwed up so many times. So many times that even though I'm now successful, uh, I don't know that it actually makes any bit of difference. That's shame. That you keep coming back to that dark place. And in 2010, I'd, for a couple of years, I'd been living kind of this dual life, so to speak. Growing in faith, serving in the church, uh, being involved in Bible studies, uh, mentoring youth, but also still reverting back to the same way of trying to free myself to say, I, I don't like how I feel, so what am I going to do about it? Well, I would drink. That's how I learned to deal with that kind of shame. And I'll never forget this moment, maybe one of the first times that somebody else said, I will bear your burden. I will help set you free. I was, got to this point where I tried so many times to deal with my shame in the same way, and it got to the point where I said, that drinking's not even helping at all. Like, none of these coping strategies are working at all, and I just feel even worse than I've ever felt. And so, in my embarrassment, I called my mentor at the time, and I was just at my wit's end, uh, in total distress, feeling like I needed to leave a toxic relationship. And I, I said, Al, I'm really hurting here. And he said, well, what's going on? And he said, I'm kind of in the middle of something. And I said, well, I got to tell you, I'm drunk. <laughs> Super embarrassing, by the way. And he said, well, what's going on? And I told him what's going on, and you know what he did? He dropped everything, and he came to my apartment, and he sat with me for an hour, and he talked to me and listened to what I was going through. And he didn't shame me even more and say, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, let me tell you, this is not acceptable behavior. He listened to me. He loved me. He sat with me in my shame and the darkness and the prison that I had made for myself and He said, I'm not going anywhere. That's grace. That's how God comes to find us. It's through relationships. Through being curious about other people. Through letting God's grace flow into our lives by our devotion to Him. By reading Scripture and saying, God, what do you say about my life? What do you say about the way that I live my life? About the choices that I make? About what I think is important? About the grace that I show other people? And if you're letting God's grace flow into your heart, then you can help to set captives free. But if you're not doing that first piece and you're not letting God free you of your burdens, of your captivity, there is no way that you can help anybody else without it feeling like judgment. Or without you somehow feeling secure and saying, I'm a good Christian. But actually, you've created your own new burden of um, hypocrisy. Or being captive in cynicism or judgment. This, there's two things that I want to point out to you about this story that I share. One, <laughs> this is important. This friend, this mentor that came to me, it was not the pastor. It was not an associate pastor. It was not a youth pastor. It wasn't the worship leader. He was just a regular guy who was committed to Christ. And he took the time to build a trusting, loving relationship with me. You know where that relationship started? The minute I walked in the door and he said, let me take you to lunch. That's how it starts. That's how we can become people who can help set others free. 
to help them walk in the light of Christ is just saying, Hi, my name is John. Hi, my name's Robert. Hi, my name is Dean. I'm Deb. Tell me about you. Tell me what, tell me what you like. Tell me about your life. I mean, you're not going to go, Deb, you're not going to go right into, tell me your deepest, darkest shame. <laughs> but you're just showing interest. Like, I actually want to know who you are. I want to walk in this life with you. So that's one part. Is that it doesn't have to be the pastor who comes and offers grace and love. And the second part is I was willing to receive help. I said, I'm struggling. I need somebody to come in and show me the love of God, to remind me that I'm loved, to remind me that I'm not forgotten or rejected, because I can't do that on my own. How often do we do this, friends? I'm struggling. Leave me alone. I'm struggling. I'll be fine. How are you doing today? Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. I'll get through it. God's got a plan. You can believe that. But if we shut people out of our lives, then can we really say that God is not present in that moment? Because the Holy Spirit works through us to help set people free from the burdens that they feel. Burdens of fear, of grief, of intense sadness, depression, anxiety, whatever it might be. If anybody is going to help bear burdens with us, we have to be willing to let them. So there are three strong possibilities tonight. I would like you to see where do you fit in in this spectrum. One is you know that you're captive and needing God's grace. You, as I'm talking about being captive, you say, yeah, I know exactly what that is. It's too many times buying something on Amazon because I feel insecure. It's too many times doing this, just wondering what everybody else is doing. <laughs> It's too many times tipping them back to the point where the whole next day is ruined. You know that you're captive and needing God's grace. Or maybe, second, you think you aren't captive, but if that's true, then maybe you're more captive than anyone in this room because you don't think that you need God's grace to set you free. And third, maybe the sweet spot is you realize you're captive And you can receive freedom in Christ. You know that. You live from that place, letting God's grace work in your life, and you impart it to others. Let me remind you, we need someone to come to us, to tell us that we're not alone, especially in our worst moments, especially then. We're not alone. We're still loved even when we're struggling. We need someone to come to us. No matter what you're experiencing tonight, friends, no matter what this last year or so has been like for you, I can tell you with confidence that Christ comes to us. He comes to you. He comes to your loved ones. He stands at the door and knocks. Will you let him in? It's amazing that um, when I go... Upstairs, now we've got two children who do this. <laughs> They're sobbing and sobbing, and so you've got to let them get it out of their system a little bit, right? But they're just sobbing and sobbing, and eventually I say, okay, I'm going to go. And you never know what to expect during that moment. I say, well, maybe it's just going to be, maybe, maybe they're just going to kick at me and you know, just really be upset even more. But that has never happened once. You know what happens instead? 
I come up to the top of the stairs and I put out my arms and they almost leap right into me because they're just so relieved that I would come. And maybe, just maybe, they were starting to believe the lie that they are unlovable because of whatever just happened and they probably forgot what has happened. But me coming to them and extending out my arms gives them an opportunity to jump into my arms with abundance, knowing and feeling that they are loved. And then the crying stops, but it's just the... just that kind of collective catching our breath that we all experience after we're very upset. And again, it changes as we're adults. But we still need that warm embrace. We still need someone to come and find us. We still need someone to remind us that we're loved, that we're not forgotten, and we still need a safe place to catch our breath after we've been upset. Friends, tonight, may we truly believe that even now, even in whatever darkness you may feel or whatever exaltation, that even now Christ comes to us. He invites us to turn our gaze and our hearts toward Him. He who is mighty God, everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. Amen. I'd like to take another 30 seconds of silence and just let you soak in this reality. Just breathe in deeply the grace of God and realize that God is continually seeking you out. No matter how you're feeling about God or anybody in your life, that God is continually seeking you out and continually present to you. Let's sit for 30 seconds and I'll bring us together in prayer. Jesus, you see our lives for what they are. Each of us, you see us completely, wholly, fully, better than we see ourselves. You see the good things about us and you see the not so good things about us. And still amazingly, God, you love us the same, despite our good days or our bad days, even in our worst moments, you love us and you come for us. You seek us out. You knock on the door of our hearts and invite us to open it to you. Jesus, would you help us to realize that our faith in you, our trust in you, our very celebrating this night is more than about what we know or what we've learned in the past, but more about experiencing your grace your love and your presence by the power of the Holy, Holy Spirit on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. And if we feel secure in our faith, then we can offer grace to others to be people who bring healing and wholeness to the land. But Lord, would, would you start your work within our hearts tonight? 
May you help us to see that even in those deep, dark places that maybe we're not even aware of because we've numbed them so many times, that even there you are present to us. Jesus, we pray this prayer in your name and we pray now the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.